Get the Prediction Strike app and check those Bears and 49ers. See if the public is overreacting to Ayuk, Mooney, Montgomery, Lance operating in impossible conditions. Prediction Strike, promo code Underworld gets you a free player share with a $20 deposit. Was that 10 ticks? Was that? Did that? Did I get to 10 ticks? A lot of notes. A lot of notes. I'm going to put my glasses on here for the for the top 10 takeaway show. A lot of notes from Sunday. Great football. Great chalk fest. And I, I've, I've heard your complaints from last season that did we never actually did 10 takeaways. We did more like 20 to 25 takeaways per show. And I get it. So we're going to start the show with my top 10 takeaways. And then we will get into it. We'll talk to the audience. We'll talk to the chat. We will get into it. So first takeaway, and this is a this is an easy takeaway, and we're going to dig back in. Again, we're going to dig back into the details, but I want to give you my top 10 so you have the top 10. We need to have a show with an accurate title so that we would do a top 10 takeaways show for years and never actually do exactly 10 takeaways. And so there would be listeners that would come away thinking, I don't know what the top 10 were. What were the top 10 takeaways? I heard a hell of a lot of takeaways, and I didn't hear exactly 10. I didn't hear them in any kind of order. It was just the pod father rambling about things he saw on Sunday or usage patterns that the Chargers from Player Profiler picked up. This is the top 10. Number one. Number one takeaway. You needed to draft a receiver in the first round, and I sure as hell hope it wasn't C.D. Lamb. CeeDee Lamb was a fake first-round wide receiver. I warned everyone not to draft him in the first round. I don't have any CeeDee Lamb in the first. I don't know what the hell people were thinking. It was a pure projection. We had a big five, and we were drafting the big five in the first round almost exclusively. It was, it, it, in no particular order, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams. That, that really is the order. I guess that is the order. That was the order we were drafting them in. It looks like Justin Jefferson is an MVP candidate. He'll be the first wide receiver to win the MVP since Jerry Rice in 1987. If you weren't drafting a wide receiver in round one, especially the middle rounds, right? Let's say, okay, let's see the 101. Okay, Jonathan Taylor, congratulations. He's a hero for all time. Okay, great. Okay, you don't have Jonathan Taylor, fine. You needed one of these receivers, okay? You went Derrick Henry, you went Dalvin Cook, you went Austin Eckler. You were doing it wrong. Big mistake. There was a draft where I was convinced to go Austin Eckler over Devontae Adams. And I'm kicking myself. I'm kicking myself because now my build is all suboptimal. First round wide receiver all day. Because who was in the second round? Joe Mixon. Leonard Fournette. In addition to earlier in the summer when Saquon Barkley was a mid-second rounder. Saquon Barkley leaked into the early third on Underdog Fantasy. Underdogfantasy.com, they have the Battle Royale every week. They have a weekly DFS game, the Battle Royale, where you can draft a team every week on Underdog. Promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match. Promo code UNDERWORLD. You put in 100, you get 100. You can play Battle Royale. You can play their pick'em games. We love Underdog. 
especially because you could get Saquon Barkley in the third round at one point. It was great. It was a great time. It was a great time to be alive this entire summer when you could get Jamar Chase or Stephon Diggs, whoever you like. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We'll come back to this. But that was the build. Wide receiver in the first round, not CeeDee Lamb. And then pick your running back. Pick your all-purpose running back in the second round, not named Najee Harris. He's got to be an all-purpose back. He's going to be getting most of the touches. And his name can't be Najee Harris. And you can draft that running back in the second round. And then you're off and running, right? So then you have all these builds, right, where you have, oh, I, I got Adams and Barkley. Oh, I have Chase and Swift, right? You have all these people texting me, emailing me, DMing me, all kinds of, email me, podfather at rotounderworld.com. Follow me on Twitter. Send it to me on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. We're also on Instagram at rotounderworld. We're at, at player profiler on TikTok. As you might know, we passed 10,000 followers on TikTok. So the first round wide receiver was the key to everything. And you didn't necessarily have to go running back. You could go Michael Pittman or A.J. Brown at the end of the second. Or even A.J. Brown, Michael Pittman were available in the early third. Not in the hardest core leagues at the end of the summer. No. But for a large swath of the offseason, Pittman and A.J. Brown were leaking into the third round. And those are the best builds. I mean, thank you all for sending me these builds where you have first round wide receiver, second round running back, and then Pittman or A.J. Brown in the third round. I mean, th- those are going to be tough to beat. Those builds are going to be really tough to beat. And uh, congratulations to all of you that drafted that. You, congratulations on your championship, a build-based championship. So take takeaway number one, first-round wide receiver was the king. Takeaway number two, second-round running back was incredible. And getting a true stud alpha in the third round at wide receiver was the uh, final difference maker that would lead to uh, surefire championships. Takeaway number three, the Achilles death narrative is dead. So I know that the, the Achilles equals death narrative had a great run of about three days post Cam Akers zero points. Then James Robinson came along and then Sterling Shepard came along and even Jody Fortson came along. So we'll talk about that. The first round rookie wide receivers are better than advertised and they are already producing. And that is great. That's great for all of us. Rookie wide receiver aficionados. Congratulations. The first round wide receivers were drafted in the first round for a reason. Takeaway number five, Kirk Cousins looks like an MVP. He's walking like an MVP. He's talking like an MVP. He's playing like an MVP, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Gave you Kirk Cousins for MVP. Who's do- We were the first. Scott Fish and I were the first to even discuss it, even, even mention it. Incredible odds on Kirk Cousins for the MVP. If not Justin Jefferson, right? I mean, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, one of these two guys. One of these two guys has to win MVP. It's, all, it's down to just Cousins and Jefferson for MVP. There's no one else. There's no other candidates. Takeaway number six, chalk rules everything around me. Uh, Million dollar bills, y'all. Or dollar dollar bills, y'all. Did I get that wrong? I think it's dollar dollar bills. I think I said million. There's no such thing as a million dollar bill. 
but they would, Wu-Tang would have talked about a million dollar bill had there been a million dollar bill. It's just dollar dollar bill. God damn it, I got it wrong. I stink, I stink at hip hop. I stink at hip hop. I try, you can tell I try, right? Look at these glasses, I'm trying. Look at me. Do I not look like a guy who's just, just immersed in hip hop all day, every day? I do try though. There, and, and the takeaway, this is a bonus takeaway. There's no such thing as a million dollar bill, right? But chalk does rule everything around me. And this was just a chalky week. And a chalky week one was just a welcome sign for the season that this isn't going to be the crazy wild season. So uh, Saquon was the most owned player on the slate on FanDuel. Shout out to FanDuel. Their their sponsor, and we'll, we'll put the 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 link to to sign up for FanDuel DFS in the show notes. Saquon was the chalk, and Saquon hit. Saquon was the rushing leader uh, for the week, and he's back. He's all the way back, and he deserves it because he works his ass off. His diet regimen, his workout regimen are legendary, and those types of players don't deserve to tear their ACL. Those are the types of players that deserve. All of the production and the stardom and the riches that come their way. I love Saquon Barkley because of who he is off the field as well as on the field. That he cares, he's passionate, and he focuses on the right details. And for those players to get rewarded, and for the Cam Akers of the world to not, the world is in in, in a good place, right? All is right. All is right. The, the, the tilt of the axis of the, of the earth is in, is in the right spot, in the right angle. Takeaway number seven, uh, Travis Etienne is going to be fine. We'll get into it. Travis Etienne is going to be fine. He will be fine. He could have scored two touchdowns easily. Don't worry about Travis Etienne. You didn't draft him to get 20 carries between the tackles. Just remember that. Takeaway number eight, all the performances from the 49ers-Bears game don't matter, don't count, don't care right? I'm not worried about Trey Lance any more than I'm worried about Darnell Mooney, any more than I'm worried about uh, David Montgomery. I'm not worried about these guys. I'm not. David Montgomery got more than 20 touches. Darnell Mooney was playing in a monsoon where it was nearly impossible to complete passes. The touchdowns that were scored were rushing touchdowns or yak touchdowns. And we're going to give Trey Lance in particular a mulligan. Trey Lance gets a mulligan as well as Mooney, as well as Ayuk. Start them with confidence next week. Don't worry about it. It was a, those were monsoon conditions. You see these guys sliding across the field. It was fun. That was a fun, that was a fun day. That was great. Antonio Gibson reminding everybody that he is comparable to Jonathan Taylor. He's not Jonathan Taylor between the tackles. He's not Jonathan Taylor as a runner, but he's better than Jonathan Taylor in the passing game. This is something that we've only told the world, especially Cody on Twitter at Carpenter NFL, only told the world for I don't know three years, and Jack Cavanaugh on Twitter too. So Jack has been tweeting all these gifs, uh, and, and and Jack is is going to be starting a new show, a Player Profiler today, Player Profiler today on YouTube every day. Jack Cavanaugh is is going to is going to give you what you need. Follow him at Cavanaugh eighty seven. J-A is Javanaugh. Why did I say Kavanaugh? It's actually Javanaugh. 
Why, Jack, why is it Javanaugh? People aren't going to be able to find you, Jack, if you, if it's confusing me, even I can't even read it properly. J-A-V-A-N-A-G-H-87 on Twitter. Jack Kavanaugh, the new host of the Player Profiler Today Show, every day, every evening. It's a day, evening day on uh, YouTube. He's been posting just reminding, just reminders, everybody. Hey, hey, by the way, Antonio Gibson's better than Brian Robinson, right? Brian Robinson, with or without a hole in his ass, was always inferior to uh, Antonio Gibson. And, and, and congratulations, I know that that Robinson will be back. It looks like by week five, which is great. I'm looking forward to him being a breather back for Antonio Gibson between the tackles. Fine, fine. But Antonio Gibson was the man. He was the receiving yards and rushing yards leader. So anytime you lead your team in both rushing yards and receiving yards, these are things that Saquon Barkley does. Anytime you're doing things that Saquon Barkley's doing, then you're on the right track as a football player, okay? It's what a league winner looks like in the middle rounds, right? I mean, do you even play a profiler, bro? If you're not drafting Antonio Gibson, that's my takeaway number nine. My takeaway number nine is this. Antonio Gibson is as real, and his performance in week one was as real, as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is fake. Clyde is fake, fake, the fakest, the fakest of the fake. And Curtis Samuel, takeaway number 10, last takeaway. This is my, this is, this is the, this is the list. This is the list. And by the way, I know I forgot to do the sound effects. I did. I said sound effects and then I started getting on a roll and I don't have anyone else that's like producing the show. We should get a sound effects person that can put up graphics. I, I would love that. I would love a little. We'll do that. We'll find someone that can do graphics. I mean, I have I have graphics and videos to post. I have the the video of the guys sliding on the on the uh, soldier field. That was great, right? That that was just how that was how wet those conditions were. I also have uh, we have footage of Kirk Cousins being literally the greatest leader in the NFL, the anti-Aaron Rodgers. He's so the anti-Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's he's the anti-Aaron Rodgers on so many levels that it's just... And Aaron Rodgers, by the way, uh, arriving with his sort of uh, fake, chill, dark lord look. Like, hey, I'm, I'm like, I'm the new Phil Mickelson. I'm wearing all black, even though I'm a nerd. Like, these nerds wearing all black. It's like, dude... But then... He tried to add like a little bit of like a, so a necklace, like a, an Eastern necklace, right? Like a, a Buddhist, you know, sort of yoga vibey necklace. That's like, Hey guys, guys, no, no, no. It's cool, man. It's cool. I'm not trying to be a badass here. I just happen to be wearing black. It's, it's a coincidence. I'm all about energy and life force and vibing with the universe. So this isn't me trying to be an asshole and look like a, like a jerk wearing all black. No, no, no. I'm, I'm cool. I'm chilling. Yeah, I'm chilling. Whereas, you know, Phil Mickelson's just leaning into it. Like, yeah, I'm a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, whatever. Fuck it. I'm rich. Hey. Or I was, and now I'm, I was rich, and I, I gambled it all away, and now I'm back to being rich again. And then that'll only last for so long. But in the meantime, I have my black sunglasses and my black outfit on, and I'm a badass. Damn it. Rogers isn't ready to go full Mickelson. He's like, ah, let's put a little, let's put a little you know, Buddha statue on my, on my locker. So people know, Hey, 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 Oh, Oh, you're cool. 
You're fine. You're chill. Uh, yeah, you're hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you you spend time in Hawaii. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, you're cool. You 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 have a house under a waterfall. Yeah. Yeah, you're 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 the man. It's cool. He's not the man. He's no Kirk Cousins. And we'll get to that footage. I have that footage. We'll see if I can produce the show on my own without any help. Even though so far it's been a failure, no sound effects, no nothing. Just to put this list in some deeper context, this is how productive first round wide receivers were in week one. Now, I know you might think, yeah, I know they had a great game. Devontae Adams, great. Chase, great. Right? Everyone was great. Diggs was great. Remember Diggs? Remember Cup way back when? Cup being amazing? Let's just total it up. Okay? Jefferson, Cup, Diggs, Chase, Adams. Okay? They they put up a total of 50 receptions for 700 plus yards and six touchdowns and over 150 fantasy points. That's on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. That's my stat. Thank you very much. And then I just for good measure, I grabbed some receivers from the third and fourth round and sometimes fifth round just to get you a comparison point. Let's just say, and this is just a random sampling. This is no, this is no bias. This is no, uh, you know, statistical trick. This is just, this is just random assortment of receivers from third, fourth, fifth round, just to put it in context, how important it was to get that receiver in the first round. Higgins, a DJ Moore, Let's just say a Darnell Mooney, we'll say Mike Williams and Allen Robinson. These are players I was drafting, by the way. I was drafting Mike Williams, as you know. I was drafting Allen Robinson. Uh, These guys totaled nine receptions, 88 yards, no touchdowns, and uh, less than 18 fantasy points total. 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 Like, for that group to catch the other group, it's, like, impossible. It's it's, it's already over. They, They can't do it. So it's uh, it's just all, all all the more reason why you want to you want to get your stud receivers, and then the question is, as we go along, will Pittman and Brown make a case that no 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 it is not a top five, it's not a big five wide receivers, it's a big seven, so it's possible it's a big seven because Michael Pittman did what you want, he dominated the target share, and he dominated in the red zone, and he was efficient. Okay, A.J. Brown did what you wanted him to do, which was dominate the target share, be efficient, and roll up big-time yards after the catch. So that's what we needed, right? From from Pittman, the case was, well, he's also going to dominate in the red zone. We think he will. Who else is he going to throw to? Cool. And we know uh, A.J. Brown is like the second-best yak receiver in the league after Debo Samuel, so we're going to get a lot of yak from him, and that's going to be great. And they, they delivered exactly what we want. That's why this was a chalk week. When I looked at the week, I talked to uh, Patrick Murphy about this. My good friend Patrick Murphy, who runs our Fantasy Intelligence Network, our consultants that help you dominate your fantasy leagues. And I said, hey, Patrick, what do you think of week one? He said, as expected. And I was like, yeah, as expected. I mean, a couple things, a couple hiccups here, right? Weren't th- who was thrilled with Travis Etienne, right? Not thrilled with uh, Mike Williams. Not great, right? But again, all, the Trey Lance and uh, uh, Mooney, that game was a monsoon. Throw it out. Throw it out. I mean, typically it's like, oh, you need winds of 30 miles an hour. Well, that's true. But also there, it's possible that you're inside a rain cloud for an entire game. That you're in, in uh, a, a, a jungle-like conditions 
then yes, it's going to be a little harder to, to sustain drives. Don't you think? It's logical. So that's that's the takeaway from it. That's, that's, that's the deeper analysis of just how important it is to get those first-round wide receivers. Now, there's a second-round running back I want to talk about. DeAndre Swift was even better than we could have imagined, as was Saquon Barkley. Leonard Fournette was just an absolute workhorse as expected. I just went back and looked at the cheat sheet just just to just to remember where we had these guys that we had Mixon, Swift and Barkley all in the first round right after Devontae Adams. Like I'm looking at this, I'm looking Diggs, Adams and then Swift, Mixon, Barkley. Like we never lost faith in Joe Mixon as an all-purpose stud. Even though many were like this guy doesn't catch passes. Like what do you mean he doesn't catch passes? This guy was a satellite back in college. And he's absolutely been an efficient pass catcher his entire career. If you watch Joe Mixon, you watch him out in space, he's super slick. He is what you want. 225 pounds with great speed and burst and slickness and fluidity in the passing game. Don't let you know some small sample of the, the first half of last year when the offense was dysfunctional, Burrow coming back from the, the torn ACL, don't let that change the fundamental knowledge that Joe Mixon's an all-purpose stud. Just like the fundamental knowledge that uh, Antonio Gibson is way better than Brian Robinson. (laughs) That was just peak end-of-summer analysis. Joe Mixon can't catch passes, and Brian Robinson's a better running back than Antonio Gibson. Get out of here. Get out of here. We maintained Leonard Fournette in the middle of the second round of the draft kit. And Pittman and A.J. Brown were ahead of uh, players like Javante Williams well into the, 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 the meaty part of that second round. So the draft kit, congratulations to Dario Ofstein and the draft kit. Unbelievable job. Great work. Now, Mixon is interesting. Mixon was playing heavy snaps and running a lot of routes. This is from John Daigle on Twitter. At not Jay Daigle, 73% snap share. He got all but one of the running back carries. He had a 60% route participation rate, which is up there with the elite bell cow backs that operate in all phases. He commanded nine of the running back targets, and there were only 14 to go around. So he dominated the running back targets, the running back routes. And when it was all said and done, he had the 17% target share. When I looked at the box score, you know, mid-afternoon on Sunday, and I saw Joe Mixon's numbers, I was like, oh, baby, this is the real Joe Mixon. This is what I'm here for. And Joe Mixon was running a route on 50% of Joe Burrow's dropbacks in the second half of last year, once the offense finally found its groove. So this is the real Joe Mixon. He has stood up in week one and told you, you need to go trade for him. In all formats, you got to go trade for Joe Mixon. Because he wasn't like a Barkley Swift level face melting week. He's still able to be acquired in fantasy. And if you don't have him, I would try to go get him. This Achilles death narrative is absolutely false. It makes no sense. We saw Cam Akers come back and be a bell cow after seven months. And now we're seeing James Robinson be the clear 
primary back in running situations, dominate most of the carries, even though Travis Etienne is on the field. Like he, he ruptured his Achilles at the very end of the 2021 season, and yet he's back and he's starting in week one. If he tore his ACL then, there would be no sign of him. We would be hoping for a midseason comeback like Odell Beckham. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, where are you? Coming back from your ACL tear. But the Achilles rupture is actually less serious than an Achilles tear. Now, I know the, the there's a track record now of running backs coming back earlier and being efficient returning from an Achilles rupture. We have that data now. We didn't have that before, pre-James Robinson, because Cam Akers was not necessarily efficient. But you add the, the, the Cam Akers data to the James Robinson data, and now we can say pretty definitively that the Achilles rupture is not in any way, shape, or form a death sentence. Even Jody Fortson, even Jody Fortson comes back from the Achilles rupture and he's scoring touchdowns. Like, what, what more do you want, right? We got a Fortson TD, a one-yard Fortson TD. I mean, that was special, right? And it was also special that that touchdown didn't go to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That was great. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire only commanded three targets, which is, that's typical Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? That's what he does. But he just happened to be in the neighborhood of the red zone when he caught those targets and scored touchdowns on those targets. Otherwise, it was a completely and utterly underwhelming game for Edward Solaire. Only seven carries. So did they rely on him to salt the game away? No, it was Pacheco. Almost doubled Edward Solaire's carry total. And McKinnon commanded more targets. And then Fortson's out here commanding targets. And you think that Edward Solaire is going to give you that kind of performance when the Chiefs go score 44 points? For the rest of the season? No. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire specializes in giving people hope in week one and then squashing that hope and killing it. I mean, it is the, the fool's gold of the fool's gold. It is the fake Rolex of week one. Edwards-Hilaire is, is the fake Rolex of week one. That's the name of the show. I mean, obviously. Right? I mean, hello. Hello, show title. Not only did James Robinson lead his team in rushing yards, Sterling Shepard came back from the Achilles rupture and led his team in receiving yards. This is week one we're talking about. They're just, they're back and they're fine. So what does this tell you? This is more evidence that I was right as rain on the first top 10 takeaway show of the season, the special edition that Cody and I recorded from Vegas on Friday. And if you didn't get that in a timely fashion, my suggestion would be stop using iTunes. iTunes is a piece of shit platform. I use Spotify. I use Pocket Casts. Go start investigating literally every other podcast listening service. They're all better, better user experience and more reliable than iTunes. iTunes did not publish four of our shows at the end of last week. We did all these shows. The brand new game plan show, the uh, new and improved Big Tilt Show with Chase and Jacob. All these shows were delayed in being published on iTunes for no reason. No one can give me a reason. Support won't get back to me. 
No, no one understands. I, I had to go back and shuffle shows and delete shows and try to figure out how we could get the, the feed activated again. And I figured it out on my own. Fuck iTunes. Okay. So if you said, oh, what, what happened? You, there was a special top 10 takeaway show. I didn't get the, the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Go use, go get Spotify and, and get off iTunes. It, it is the, 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 the Apple podcast stinks, stinks. So I, I blame them. Don't blame us. The shows have been live. They've been great. And we talked about Cam Akers, that it's complicated. That, yes, he's not the same exact player he was pre-Achilles rupture. Neither is James Robinson. And Christian McCaffrey's not the same player he was before tearing his hamstring twice. Austin Eckler talked about the fact that he'll never be the same after tearing his hamstring. That's fine. That's all fine. But that's not the reason why... Cam Akers was fully relegated. It goes way deeper than that. It has to do with him not focusing on the right details. It has to do with him missing key blocks and getting Matthew Stafford pile driven into the ground. Those are the things that are going to get you benched in the league. Those are the things that that will ultimately destroy your potential to score fantasy points and disappoint fantasy owners. It's it is is very little to do with Cam Akers' explosiveness and a lot to do with Cam Akers being a knucklehead and not being trusted by his coaches and not getting the respect of his teammates and getting outplayed in practice by Darrell Henderson. So I think it, it's more that Darrell Henderson has been playing better and has been more explosive and that Cam Akers has lost the respect and the trust of coaches and teammates. That to me is much more important than the Achilles rupture, but the Achilles rupture is the easy narrative you can fall back on while you're watching a game and you just want to mock people that might have drafted cam Akers. so it does give me hope though it does give me hope that there is a scenario where cam Akers does regain the number one sort of primary back job in los angeles and that he can look as good as james robinson did these first round rookies look really good so we talked about this a little bit burks exceeded expectations he was the uh second on the team in targets if we're looking at this titans game the target leaders were Kyle Phillips and Burks, and Kyle Phillips almost doubled the, the number of targets of Traylon Burks. And we've been we've been pounding Kyle Phillips. He looks a lot like the the, the nifty slot receivers that you know it makes sense that Mike Vrabel, right, who played with Wes Welker, would be looking for a Wes Welker. And if he sees like you know some Wes Welker, even yeah, another guy is Kendall Wright. So looking at the just the 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 the, the helmet. The Titans helmet, I was like, oh, we got some Kendall Wright here. We got some Wes Welker meets Kendall Wright with Kyle Phillips. That's exciting. That's really cool. So these rookies, the wide receivers are exceeding expectations. This is what we wanted to see. Drake London was the receiving leader. Uh, sorry about uh, Kyle Pitts. I know I wasn't drafting Kyle Pitts, but not because I don't like Kyle Pitts, just because if your name's not Travis Kelsey, I'm not drafting a tight end early. I'm not doing it. I wasn't drafting Mark Andrews. You didn't see me draft Mark Andrews at all. We weren't touting uh, Kyle, Kyle Pitts. A lot of people are like, why aren't you guys higher on Kyle Pitts? Why aren't you guys higher on Mark Andrews? Like, hey guys, hey guys, we're picking a winner in Baltimore in this passing game. And the winner is, is Rashad Bateman. Okay, we found out yesterday that Rashad Bateman's floor is 13 fantasy points. Right, And some of the other touchdowns happen to go to Devin Duvernay. Devin Duvernay is probably not going to score two touchdowns for the rest of his career. Those touchdowns are going to be going to Andrews. 
and Bateman moving forward. And Bateman was a better value than Andrews in fantasy drafts. And that's what we cared about. That, that was where that was our focus. You're going to have a lower volume offense. Just focus on one pass catcher and be done with it. And generally speaking, if you don't have the path to give, I mean, true definitive leverage at the position, like only Travis Kelsey can deliver in the absence of Tyreek Hill, then I'm not drafting a tight end. You want to take Travis Kelsey in the second round? By all means, do it. We had him posted up in the second round in the draft kit. That was it. It's certainly possible that that Kyle Pitts is going to have huge games. He will. He'll be great. He'll be great. But he's not going to be Travis Kelsey. And we're all fortunate. And you're fortunate that the other choices around Kyle Pitts all flamed out. I mean, it was really one of the more challenging swaths of draft picks in fantasy. Like once Pittman and A.J. Brown were off the board, Fournette, Pittman, A.J. Brown, those guys are off the board. It got very dicey very quickly. Very, very, I mean, we drafted A.J. Brown in the middle of the second round in the uh, the FFWC main event in Vegas just because it was like, hey, this is it. This is the last guy. This is the last line of defense. We got to get him. So fine, right? I was like, great. We ended up getting Travis Etienne in the fourth round. Cool. Why was he falling to the fourth round? Because the high stakes fantasy gamers don't like to draft players with glaring red flags. Allen Robinson, glaring red flag, you know, efficiency cratered last year and he passed the AJ Pax. You put those two things together, it's scary. Mike Williams, same thing. His efficiency cratered in the second half of the season. So that's scary. I understand why the high stakes fantasy gamers who are, treat some of these first round picks a lot more precious. The, the first, say, five rounds, they're precious. Weren't able to be as bullish on Mike Williams because of the red flags and weren't able to be as bullish on Allen Robinson because of the red flags. The red flags being primarily, hey, they're, they're past the age apex and experience an efficiency decline either for the full season or for the second half of the season. That was enough to, to bump those players behind players without red flags like DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin and Brandon Cooks. And while I mean, DJ Moore did not play well, and it looks like he's going to have the same quarterback issues that he's always had with Baker Mayfield, at least Terry McLaurin bailed you out with a touchdown. At least Brandon Cooks was the clear receiving yards leader. And when you look at the Texans, we could be looking, I mean, another efficient game from Davis Mills. And we, we talked about it last year. The two most impressive quarterbacks last year from that rookie class were Mac Jones and Davis Mills. Now, Davis Mills is on a trajectory to simply be better than Mac Jones. And if we look up and, and, and Davis Mills actually passes Mac Jones in the dynasty rankings by the end of the year, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's possible. But Traylon Burks moving up. London moving up. Dotson. Not moving up, but Dotson still got the touchdowns, right? Dotson scored, so that's good. That's 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 better than uh, other receivers like uh, Chris Olave. But Chris Olave had a 100% catch rate, three of three for 41 yards. That's impressive. I know Michael Thomas got the touchdowns, but Jarvis Landry not dead yet. Jarvis Landry is one of those those gross picks that ends up delivering, giving you 18 fantasy points. Michael Thomas. Gave you 20 plus fantasy points, but Olave was running routes right along with those guys. And he had the hundred percent catch rate. I'm expecting more great things 
from Olave, especially Drake London. Now, the most interesting of all of the rookie performances was clearly Garrett Wilson. We also drafted Garrett Wilson in this main event. Garrett Wilson, eight targets. That's huge. That's gigantic. That's more targets than Elijah Moore. In week one, I did not expect that. I expected Elijah Moore to be the target leader, and he was not. He was actually fifth. Elijah Moore was technically fifth on the target totem pole for New York. It was Brees Hall with 10 targets. And that's a lot of garbage time dump offs, so don't expect that every week. He will eventually supplant Michael Carter, but Michael Carter also got nine targets. So all these guys had more targets than Elijah Moore. Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis. So it's it's not anything to worry about. I still think that Elijah Moore, we consider him the, the, the uh, true alpha in this passing game, but it is like the mildest of concerns that Joe Flacco throws the ball 59 times. And Elijah Moore gets seven targets. So that's not the target share we were hoping for. That is the target share we were hoping for for Garrett Wilson. So I'm, I'm expecting more good things from Garrett Wilson. He exceeded expectations. It turns out the first round rookies are in line to be good. And the second round rookies disappointed. You know, Got nothing from George Pickens. Got a, 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 a just a soul-crushing drop deep, wide open from Christian Watson. Uh, what are you doing, Christian Watson? What are you doing? Uh, that was uh, that was heartbreaking. Just right there. Just right. Just just he he had it, and uh, you know, and then he uh, you know then then he didn't. So Chris, if you just if you just Google. Christian Watson drop. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, just uh, you know, it uh, it was a good route, right? Let's we'll say this: it was a good route. It it it, it, it he got open, right? So maybe next time, maybe next time he'll he'll actually squeeze the football. I just wish that. Jeff Janis would have been afforded these opportunities to go out there and drop passes in week one. Jeff Janis was never afforded that opportunity. Shame on Aaron Rodgers. And now this is this was karma. When I saw that drop, I was like, yes, Jeff Janis dropped some of those exact type of passes in practice and you refuse to play with him. You refuse to let the, the coaches play him at all during games. And now you're stuck with basically a carbon copy of Jeff Janis. It's basically Jeff Janis with draft capital and he's letting you down in the biggest possible moment when you never know, you turn the lights on and you actually put Jeff Janis in an actual NFL game and all he does is score Hail Marys, squeeze the football in traffic deep. Let's take a look at this. We, we, we got we to play this video. We got to play this video for the people. Here's Green Bay's first offensive play of the New Year. Rodgers going to unleash, going deep. Watson, the rookie drops it. He is wide open and Christian Watson dropped what would have been a touchdown. No good, right? I mean, <laughs> should you hold that against him? I mean, yeah, yeah. If he keeps doing that, then they're never going to be able to score long touchdowns. He needs to squeeze that. We need to see him squeeze that football. Please, can we just watch him squeeze the football once to prove that he's good? I'm still a skeptic on Christian Watson. I know this is def absolute confirmation bias, admittedly. 
admittedly. When I saw that, I was like, oh, this is so perfect on so many levels that you didn't let Jeff Janis play because he was doing that in practice, and now this is actually happening to you in a game from Jeff Janis 2.0. Shame on you, Aaron Rodgers. So that was perfect. And then also that, generally speaking, we've been out on Christian Watson, though we did draft him in the main event because he just fell so far, it didn't make sense, but uh, skeptical that he is the answer. Skeptical of Alec Pierce. All these second-round wide receivers uh, were, were, were relegated. Now, Christian Watson was was running routes and was actually more productive than uh, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb. So that's good. I mean, we do want Christian Watson out there, not Randall Cobb, not Sammy Watkins. We like explosive playmakers, and they need to keep throwing those. He will squeeze some of those footballs. Maybe he just has weak hands, but the other traits more than make up for that. Now, in New, in Indianapolis, that's not the case, right? Alec Pierce is not physically superior to Paris Campbell and Ashton Doolin. And then Paris Campbell and Ashton Doolin are uh, outproducing Alec Pierce, who finished with zero catches and zero yards in spite of running the second most routes or the third most routes after Paris Campbell. I mean, I just... I, I was looking. I almost forgot about Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman so clearly like the number one and the unquestioned alpha that I, I looked right past him. I was like, no, that's how you know that you've you've, you've reached another echelon where th that there's never a, even even a shred of a doubt that you would even be in the mix for competition for for targets. No, no, no. It was Pittman. And then it was Campbell. They were the, the starters in two receiver sets. And then it was Pierce. Ashton Doolin commanded six targets with a sub-50% route participation rate, which means his target rate, targets per route run, was one of the highest in the NFL in week one. Ashton Doolin target rate. Look it up tomorrow on playerprofiler.com and you'll see where he ranks. Oh, baby, it's happening. It's happening. So just, it's it's a it's a dance party primer, right? We could have had a bunch of dance parties today. Sure, we could have had a swift dance party. It's totally cool, right? Right, fine. We could have. We're not. Like they're, they're all drafted too early for a dance party. When Ashton Doolin breaks out, I am going to break out. I am going to break out the moves. But I'm just telling you, it's about to happen. Six targets in week one, people, on what was a low route participation rate. Let that sink in. Pick him up now. He is the number two. He is the number two in waiting. Uh, Paris Campbell's cool, but he commanded fewer targets and did less with them, running a lot more routes than Ashton Doolin. Let's just say that. And, 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 and fuck Alec Pierce. I still believe in George Pickens. I still believe in Sky Moore. I think they're going to be productive fantasy assets. And they are good, if not great, players. They are now or they will be. The other second-round wide receivers, you know, Wandale Robinson, sadly, went down with an injury. Tyquan Thornton started the year injured. Uh, he broke his collarbone in preseason. And then these other second-round wide receivers just gave you nothing. So the difference between the first-round wide receivers and the second-round wide receivers is, is a chasm. And then there's Kyle Phillips. Right? And then Kyle Phillips is like, he's the only other guy that's like acting like, it's like, okay, you got Burks, right? You got Burks, who's in, like, he's like the, the, the Randy Moss role. And then you got Phillips in the Wes Welker role. 
And then who does that make? Uh, who does that make Robert Woods? Is that Robert Woods in the Chris Givens role? Is it Robert Woods in the uh, whoever the, the the third ancillary receiver uh, in uh, Tennessee is? So I, I, Robert Woods is 30 years old. Robert Woods coming off a torn ACL. He's going to take some time to get ramped up. But in the meantime, you know Kyle Phillips may have just uh, stolen that possession receiver role for good. So that's uh, that's that's not a player that I am running out to buy low on. I'm going to wait and see on Robert Woods, see if he's ever good, ever. Uh, and, and now with this new Kyle Phillips target competition, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. It, it is looking good for Kirk Cousins. So we have, we have some more video to show you. We have more. We have Kirk Cousins video. This is Kirk Cousins' leadership video. Just close your eyes and imagine what Aaron Rodgers would say in this situation. How would Aaron Rodgers behave? And it's like, oh, well, why do you keep you know, this dichotomy? Because they're the two favorites to win the NFC North, right? The, these are two rivals, Packers and Vikings. And they just happen to have two very different quarterbacks. Let's, let's, let's see what Kirk Cousins has for us. Yeah, where's Quasey? Quasey, get up here. Yeah. Yeah. who have played in the league long enough know this, and I believe strongly, everything rises and falls on leadership. Speed of the leader, speed of the team. Yes, sir. All right, these two guys are running this organization. Yep. All right, and we're going to go as far as they can take us. Yep. All right? All the, way. All the way. <laughs> Awful camera work, by the way. Can we talk about the camera work here? Is, have, you heard, have you seen worse camera work ever? Is this like a crotch cam? What is happening? As these guys leading us, this is their first win. Yep. So game balls to both of you. Yeah. When he goes team win, translation, I won that game. He's like, this is what leaders do. Leaders are our coach. Leaders are our general manager. And they're not going to get a word in edgewise because I'm actually the leader. But by by showing you that I am not celebrating myself and I'm celebrating others, I'm showing you that I am also a great leader. By calling them the leaders, I'm actually you know, cementing myself and my leadership credentials. It's such a magic trick that these guys can do, this sleight of hand where it's like, I'm going to wave a flag on behalf of everyone else. But the fact that I'm in the middle of this circle waving flags shows that I'm actually the leader. But I'm calling them the leaders, even though really what I mean is I'm the fucking leader and I'm the man. And I'm doing this all as performance art just to maximize the respect of the team. And he's doing that uh, in order to be a magnanimous figure because he cares about being a magnanimous figure. That's the difference. That is the, he is going out of his way to say the things that will inspire his teammates and fill, you know, other members of the organization, key members of the organization, like, Oh, the general manager and the coach fill them and, and, and enhance their morale. He doesn't have to do any of that, right? Yes. It's performance art, but he doesn't have to do it. He has to want to get on stage in that moment, in that circle, and get on a knee and give credit to others verbally, right? There are a number of quarterbacks in this league that would never do that. That's just not how they're wired because at in the end, they really don't care. They really don't care. 
and they're not willing to do absolutely everything that it takes in the playbook, in the leadership playbook, to get from point A to point B to win a Super Bowl. They're not willing to go all the way. And that sometimes means, you know, uh, giving others credit, right? When you and your you in your own hubris know down deep inside, yeah, this was this was a me win. This was a me win, but I'm going to come out strongly and, you know, vociferously talk about how it was a team win instead. And, you know, other quarterbacks will do it subtly. They'll do it quietly. They won't do it the way Kirk Cousins did. And what Kirk Cousins did with that level of uh, enthusiasm, it is intoxicating and it matters. It does matter. It it matters. They're going to, this is, this is a, this is a team to be reckoned with. I mean, look at the, the the other teams in the division. It's the Packers who they just absolutely ran over with a bulldozer, just complete like it, like Aaron Rodgers is like in the tracks of the bulldozer, right? That is, his whole body's like in the tracks of a bulldozer. And you got the Bears, you got the Lions. The Lions, by the way, we cannot forget about this game because this was a, a the, the game of the week. What I mean, just an incredible sort of courageous performance by the lions to come roaring all the way back. Literally the lion roared where you have 144 yards from Swift and only 15 carries. You have Amon Ross St. Brown getting you 12 targets. I mean, if there's, there's a third, fourth round, fifth round pick that actually delivered one of the few, it was Amon Ross St. Brown. So he's the truth. You got AJ Brown, the truth in this game. You got Jamal Williams chipping in with two touchdowns because that's what he does. He operates in the red zone. This is this is how this is why Jamal Williams was a good pick. We were we were promoting the Jamal Williams. Yeah, it feels gross, but this is going to be a vastly improved offense, and you want everybody. You want everyone in this offense, from Goff to Williams to St. Brown. Maybe not Hawkinson, right? Pretty much everyone but Hawkinson. It's like everyone. Yeah. JJ Zacharyson comes on and gets you off Hawkinson. Cool. Everyone else, absolutely. Miles Sanders. He gave you the game, right? 7.4 yards per carry. Brilliant. I mean, just that is what you wanted. He got the touchdown. I felt so good for him. You got to feel so good for Kirk Cousins. You got to feel so good for Jalen Hurts that he goes out and, and he wasn't efficient, 18 for 32. But, you know, he managed the game well and he put them in a position to win on the road. What else could you ask? Like the Philadelphia fans don't care about his completion percentage. They care about the fact they went on the road and won against the most improved team in the NFL. So props to Jalen Hurts, props to Miles Sanders. Will Miles Sanders be able to maintain this? No. Miles Sanders is not going to play against the, the Lions defense with a 17-point lead for most of the year. So enjoy th- this week for Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is going on the trade block. I mean, he's not a Clyde edwards hilaire level trade candidate, but he's up there, right? I'm, I'm, I'm putting edwards hilaire on the trade block if I had him, though I never would or could or should or will. Uh, Sanders, I have some Sanders. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely open for business to trade Sanders. Uh, Goddard, maintain the faith in Goddard. Th- those, the, 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 those target splits, 13 to 4 between Brown and Goddard, those will converge. Uh, Devontae Smith is a problem. Devontae Smith is a problem. You can't sell low on Devontae Smith here. You've got to wait this out. But uh, we told you not to draft him. And so there was a, a real decision point between Devontae Smith and, and Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk has the excuse that he was playing in a monsoon. And Devontae Smith has no such excuse. So I would say that Devontae Smith is a hold because you have no choice. 
whereas Brandon Ayuk is a buy. So let's talk about Travis Etienne. We got, we got to talk about Travis Etienne, uh, one of our favorite picks of the year, and uh, one of the more disappointing performances from Sunday. Uh, there's no there's no way to, to wallpaper over this. I was very disappointed in what I saw from Mike Williams and Travis Etienne. Uh, it, uh, it's a bummer, man. You can't win them all. You can't hit on every pick. It's not possible, right? So then Dwayne McFarlane comes out uh, from Fantasy Life and he eases a lot of people's concerns. He said the following, Travis Etienne and James Robinson split the snaps 50-50. Yes, Robinson led on the ground, but Etienne played 75% of the long down and distance plays and 100% of the two-minute offense and he saw 100% of the short yardage work. So Etienne is getting all the high leverage fantasy point scoring opportunities. This will translate into lots of catches and lots of touchdowns as the year goes along. Don't worry about Travis Etienne. Do not trade him. Trade for him. He's a a, a buy low. So you go ahead and, and you offload Miles Sanders or Clyde Edwards Hilaire and you try to get try to get Travis Etienne. I would even try to and, and get uh David Montgomery, right? Because David Montgomery got you know the, the big workload. Uh, in the monsoon conditions, he had the, the the low yards per carry. Everyone's going to say, oh, he's dust. Yeah, 25 years old and been productive year in, year out, but he's dust at age 25, or maybe he played in a monsoon. So those are some some trade candidates. He also played against one of the most ferocious front sevens in the league. So I think that you uh, go glass half full on David Montgomery, glass half full on Travis Etienne. And then Matt Waldman chimes in. And so I tweeted about this. Uh, the goat versus the donkey. So Matt Waldman, he, he doesn't have analysis, right? He doesn't have an argument. But what he does is he just has questions. I'm just going to ask questions. Right? I just have questions. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to argue, right? Because I don't have anything to argue with. But something in my gut tells me that Travis Etienne's overrated. And I see that you're touting him. So I'm going to chime in. I'm going to chime in with my questions, right? So, so Waldman says, does it concern you that Robinson coming off an injury got so much work and it might continue to grow? Oh, wow. That, that, that might be a concern. Wow. I, I don't know. Well, does it concern you? Like you're the analyst. Why don't you tell us if it concerns you? How about that? No, you don't, you don't want to have a take here. You don't want to have a position that can be, you know, argued against or seen as potentially, oh, I don't know, uh, wrong in the weeks ahead. No, no, no. Why would you do that? You got to stick to the infallible nature of the questioning, right? Perhaps eat into ETN's role as a passing down player. Yeah. Don't you worry about this for James Robinson? And the answer is fuck no, fuck no and get out of here. Go to your Twitter feed and post analysis and statistics that can help people diagnose a situation in a player or don't tweet at all. Go get Travis Etienne. Now, I have to, it's just, there were so many players I was happy for. It's hard to keep track of how many players I was happy for because I was happy for so many players, including Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel, 11 targets and 
the 14 carries, the four carries. Did I say 14? That was, that'd be great. That was Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson, 14 carries, Curtis Samuel, four. But still, four carries. That's more than J.D. McKissick. So who's the breather back there? Is it McKissick or is it Curtis Samuel? Underreported beneficiary of the Brian Robinson stint on the NFI list, Curtis Samuel getting more carries. Those are fantasy points. Those are 1.7 fantasy points you wouldn't have had from another receiver. And he's out here, you know, he's got the low target depth. So we know now how they're going to use him. This is a, this is very interesting information. You look at the target depth on Curtis Samuel. He was used in two completely different ways by the same coaching staff in Carolina that's now there, led by Ron Rivera in Washington. They had him running deep routes. They had him stretching the field one year, and then they had him running essentially bubble screens only and all slants and bubble screens around the line of scrimmage the next season. Well, he was more efficient in that gadget close to the line of scrimmage role where they could he could leverage his yak ability and his running back background. And clearly, they learned that lesson from their time in Carolina together, and they're implementing him in that same role now in Washington, and he's having huge success. Now, who operates in that role in San Francisco? Who came off a devastating groin injury that destroyed his 2021 season? Well... Who does Curtis Samuel remind you of? Certainly, I'm not saying he's Debo Samuel. But you can't argue with the fact that there is no closer comparison point in the NFL. There is one player and one player alone that Curtis Samuel is reminiscent of, and that is Debo Samuel. Now, John Dotson had the two touchdowns. He had the five targets. McLaurin only had four targets. Thomas, Logan Thomas came back from the ACL tear and, and, and gave you six targets. Curtis Samuel was this productive in the passing game for a team that was up 14-3 at the half. This was not necessarily a Curtis Samuel week. This was an Antonio Gibson week. This was the week to have Antonio Gibson, and he is the man. And he is not going to have his role usurped by Brian Robinson or J.D. McKissick or anybody. Okay, He was a league winner in round six, seven, eight, nine this year. And everyone has to just eat that, right? Curtis Samuel was available in the last round of drafts. He was undrafted. He's going to be on a lot of waiver wires. He's going to be the number one waiver wire pickup. In fact, he's my number one waiver wire pickup. I wish he wasn't as productive because few of us started him. We have a lot of him in best ball. Because if you looked at our draft kit, we were higher than consensus on Curtis Samuel than any other player. Like, I asked Dario, I was like, Dario, we're like 80 spots ahead on Samuel. What's up with that? He's like, listen, Samuel has only been, when healthy, you know, a top 20 fantasy receiver. And we haven't seen what Jahan Dotson is. So just running out to best case scenario on Dotson and forgetting about Samuel's doing it wrong. And that was absolutely correct. The problem is, it's going to be the Terry McLaurin show. Terry McLaurin is an elite receiver. On another team, he would be a wide receiver one. So I'm, 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 I'm disappointed that many of you are not going to get Curtis Samuel on waivers because I'm not going to suggest that you bid enough to get him in some leagues. Where it's like you want to cap out at most, you know, twenty percent of your Fab budget on Curtis Samuel. Others are going to spend up more chasing last week, chasing that game against the Jaguars where they're not going to face the Jaguars secondary 
for the rest of the season. And they're going to be playing from behind a lot this season, which is going to be good for Curtis Samuel. So it's just, I, if he had just caught, let's say three less passes and not got the touchdown, it would be so perfect. If he had the targets running the routes showing he's healthy getting carries but not all those fantasy points like he just scored a little a little too many just even even if he had just not scored the touchdown even if he had just not at the touchdown and then it's like oh it's you know 72 yards total big deal right and then we're like winking at each other going get, get him number one waiver wire pickup the issue is he gets the touchdown now everyone's going to be on him so it's 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 really disappointing I just hope that you got him prior. And in that game also, Zay Jones looking like the number two receiver. Zay Jones and Curtis Samuel late. Zay Jones and Curtis Samuel late. Hell, it was a great week. It was a great week. It was chalky, yes. It was as expected. But from the first round to the last round, just, just some hits. Just some hits. And and now you might say, oh, well, uh, you know, Rashad Bateman uh, bailed you out with that touchdown. You know, you can't. You can't say that uh, Edwards Hilaire's touchdown was luck and then that Bateman's touchdown on just a handful of targets wasn't wasn't lucky too. Uh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. Because the Ravens were up big. The Ravens are going to be in shootouts. right? That, that, that Jets game was not a Bateman game. That was not a Bateman game at all. That was a game we thought would be a uh, Kenyon Drake, Mike Davis... And then maybe a random touchdown for Mark Andrews. But we're looking at a lot of positive game script. Maybe, you know, defensive touchdown, play the Ravens defense. Like, that was that kind of game. This wasn't a Bateman game. Bateman showed his floor. Bateman is a buy low. Because some might look at the targets and go, oh, wow, well, maybe maybe it's 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 uh, Duvernay's the, the 1B. And, and, you know, I'm worried about the target share for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll trade you Bateman. Grab him, right? Grab him. So if you could go trade for Bateman and trade for ETN, that would be a sharp move. And I know that there's going to be some celebrating of the uh, the Steelers game, right? The Bengals lost their long snapper. And what should have been the game-winning extra point was blocked by Minka Fitzpatrick. So the Steelers' absolutely extraordinary football luck continues. I'll, I'll be uh, just haunted by the Steelers for the rest of my career. I'm going to continue to fade them with confidence. They are the worst team in that division. I don't think it's close, especially now that the Browns showed what they can do with Jacoby Brissett. The Steelers, that was the fakest win I, 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 of, of the whole week. The thing that could rip my face off with the Steelers, the thing that I'm worried about, is that their defense appears to be improved. Sacked Joe Burrow four times. And Mitchell Trubisky was absolutely atrocious, 5.1 uh, yards per attempt, a 48.0 QBR, just absolutely abysmal quarterback play. And the issue is when the Steelers ultimately turn the keys over to Kenny Pickett, we don't believe a word about this Kenny Pickett you know, resting for the entire season, watching Trubisky put up 5.1 yards per attempt for the rest of the season. Get out of here. No, with those weapons, with like the catch of the year 
on the sideline, and a, a complete and utter Odell Beckham Jr. up uh, over the shoulder, behind the head, one-handed catch by Deontay Johnson, and yet still less than 200 yards passing? Shame on Mitchell Trubisky. Shame on Mike Tomlin. Because they're going to lose some games because of Trubisky, where had Kenny Pickett been in there, Kenny Pickett's a gamer, and eventually he's going to force his way into the game. And if they have a good defense and Kenny Pickett back there with one of the best wide receiver cores in the league, the Pittsburgh Steelers could absolutely make me eat shit this year. I'm chilling. Yeah, I'm chilling. Whereas, you know, Phil Mickelson's just leaning into it. Like, yeah, I'm a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, whatever. Fuck it. I'm rich. Hey! Or I was, and now I'm, I was rich, and I, I gambled it all away, and now I'm back to being rich again. This take right here is why you follow us on TikTok. You can't say upside wins championships and then not draft Antonio Gibson in fantasy football. He was available in the middle rounds in every league. The guy's athletically comparable to Jonathan Taylor and better in the passing game. Then he leads his team in both rushing yards and receiving yards. Antonio Gibson had more catches and more receiving yards than uh, Terry McLaurin. And if you were worried about J.D. McKissick, well, he was found in Antonio Gibson's belly button. And those that didn't draft him should not be allowed to go to player profiler ever again.